Welcome to another edition of the Junior Faculty Development Series in the Department of Pediatrics. My name is Jaspreet Loyal. I'm an Associate Professor and Pediatric Hospitalist in the Department of Pediatrics. My name is Frances Chang. I am also a Pediatric Hospitalist and Instructor in the Department of Pediatrics. Our topic today is on work-life integration as academic faculty, and our main objective for today's discussion is to help our listeners think about what work-life integration means, ways to move towards a more balanced career and strategies for success. We are excited today to have with us Jennifer Shear. Jennifer is an associate professor in the Department of Pediatrics section of endocrinology and is a highly accomplished academic faculty member. Welcome, Jen. Thanks. I'm laughing because you just said highly accomplished. (laughs) And I'm going to start out by saying I suffer from imposter syndrome. So just to even hear those words associated with me is odd. But thank you for the compliment. Well deserved. Not the imposter syndrome, but but you are very highly accomplished. I think we should start a little bit by talking a little about yourself and your career here at Yale. So... um, I always wanted to go into medicine, and at age nine, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and from that day forward, I said I wanted to be a pediatric endocrinologist. Um, Ended up having a really great role model in my own pediatric endocrinologist, thought I would go ahead and take over his clinical practice when all my training was done. Came to Yale for my pediatric residency, met Bill Tamberlane and said, I only want to do diabetes. And he said, why take care of a few patients if you can help the world? And I was like, oh my God. Of course, I want to help the world. So, like, who would say no to that? And so he said, you know, maybe I should get a PhD in investigative medicine. And next thing you know, I was getting a PhD in investigative medicine. So, this plan for a clinical career completely diverted into a research path that I am so thankful for every day. And I just, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunities that have been provided to me here at Yale. Can you tell us a little bit about your current roles and how you define success within these roles? Yeah. So how do I define success? I would say that um, I I haven't met it yet. And I think part of the reason I say that is because every single time you reach something that seemed so hard to get to, it's like, okay, what's my next goal? And I think that's part of what keeps academic medicine going and you're thriving. So, you know, I'm trying to get a U01 in next week. And we did a study last week. And so I I get to the end of a five-day, four-night Airbnb study with uh, five kids who are between the ages of six and nine. And I'm completely tired out. And I'm like, yes, this was great. On to the next thing. And so it's that constant, like, what's coming next and looking – Forwards to the the next endeavor on the list. There's other parts that I'm supposed to answer, and I don't know what they are. <laughs> no, no. no so I was curious, actually, Jen, because I don't know if some of our listeners understand some of the terminology, but what's a U01? So a U01 is a multi-center grant. So an R01 is something that's for an independent investigator. A U01 is going ahead and seeking institutions to come together and perform a research study. So I have never gotten an R01, but I figured why not go for a U01? <laughs> you know, you could do things out of order. And I think part of it is just, you know, trying and you learn through every single process you go through. So you definitely have a lot of enthusiasm with everything that you do, which I think sort of helps drive your success. I would say so. Okay. And with all of this, I t- you're definitely doing research. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit about what how you divide your clinical and research time or any other time that you do in a typical work? Yeah. 
week, I guess. So officially, my percentages are 17% clinical and the rest of the time doing research. And so I really only have half a day of clinic a week. However, twice a month, I'm answering emergency phone calls for the diabetes service. I do about eight to 10 weeks of inpatient service throughout the year. But most of my time is just doing my research work. So every single day is different. Every single week is different. It depends on what deadlines are coming next. And I do a lot of traveling. I'm on a plane tomorrow to go present at uh, type 1 diabetes training for endocrine fellows down in New Orleans. And so there's always, you know, something different going on and trying to um, balance it all. I think the biggest thing is going from primarily clinically driven care where I could check a box and say I'm done and I'm not trying to diminish that in any way. I feel like I've got this ongoing list of like various projects and where I am with them. So I actually just went out and bought like a five-foot whiteboard to try and organize my thoughts in my life. I don't know that it's going well, but there's many different (laughs) colors and lots of boxes to check and I look at it frequently. So So I think this is the perfect segue. Um, We do we do laugh about this amongst ourselves, but what does work-life integration mean to you? Is it a myth, or do some people actually achieve it? So it's, it's, I, I don't think it's a myth, but I think the, the myth is that you can do everything excellently, you know, there's always going to be a give and take. So there's times where family priorities went out and there's times when work priorities went out. And I think it's finding the balance that's right for yourself. And I think it's a matter of figuring out what's important to you. You know, is there, uh, last week I had this crazy study going on and I have a daughter in college and she was performing at a concert at college and had a solo. So it didn't matter what was going to happen in that study. I did everything to leave on time to get my five-year-old and to make it to that concert and be in the audience. And so, you know, was it a completely balanced week? No. Did I figure out what was really critical? Absolutely. So I think that we all always look at other people and think, oh, my gosh, they have it figured out. No one has it figured out. At least that's my impression. Like, I love you all. I think you all are great physicians and great parents, but I think we are all struggling. And I think the more we can talk about it, it's very freeing. So I share my office with Michelle Van Name, who is a junior faculty member, and we talk about it all the time about, you know, what to do next. Because my life's been so crazy, she texted me yesterday morning and said, what recreational activity will you do today? I wrote back, grocery shopping. And she reminded me that's not a recreational activity. (laughs) She suggested a Nerf gun war with my kids. And so it's just nice to have those people and those touch points to say, hey, you know what? Go ahead and find yourself again. Allow yourself the freedom to spend more time for this week on my family. And maybe in a few weeks, uh, she'll have to say, hey, you know what, Jen, refocus on this work-related project. So it, it is a myth. It's an evolving um, dynamic. And you're, you're making choices every single day. And there's no wrong choice. It's what's important to you. So just to follow up, um, I like how you shared the example of Michelle. Um, and we've been talking a lot about mentorship in our careers and and the fact that you have to have more than one mentor and like a life mentor to kind of teach you and remind you about what's important outside of your career. So you talked about Michelle, but there, are there others for you? There's so many. 
I think I'm grateful for having various people both within Yale and outside of Yale who I can turn to to talk about these things. Um, So two weeks ago, I was at the Type 1 Diabetes Exchange meeting in Tampa, and I have some really good friends that I've met that are at various institutions. And I pull them aside and I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing any of this right. And we go for a walk or, you know, we'll have a drink at the end of the meeting. And it's just great to have that time. So I think the thing that we all need to do, and I didn't realize this right when I was making the transition from being a fellow to starting on faculty, is seeking out so many mentors and friends and mentors at various stages. You want people who are very senior. You want people who are mid-level. There are mentors of mine who are junior to me. And I think it's critical to have them all because they're all going to provide us with something different. They should be within my specialty, outside of my specialty. Um, Andy Asnes is one of the people who I was grateful. They started a, a while back. They said, would you like another mentor to be matched with you? She was matched with me. And I was like, I just won the lottery, right? I mean, like, to have the opportunity to go in and talk to her and just, you know, talk about life and career and, you know, how I'm doing, it was phenomenal. And I think the more we can make that part of a mandatory setup for everyone, regardless of where you are in your stage of your career, because senior mentors will likely have their passion reignited by working with junior faculty. And so it's a win-win overall. And I think it's important just to point out to our listeners, so Andy is not an endocrinologist. She's in a different yes. section. So I think that's the other utility of of, of mentors outside of your section uh, to give you additional perspective. And sometimes, I mean, I'm not to dwell on Andy, but Andy is someone who I've just reached out to on my own and have lunch with her every couple of months just to reconnect. And for that same reason, I feel like Andy will always ask the question, like, what do you want? What do you need? And, and it really has you start reflecting on what you need and you're not in sort of takes you potentially off your path that you may think you're stuck on and opening up new paths that you never knew were there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Andy has been a great mentor to me too. (laughs) I was wondering if you could walk us through a typical day in your life. So I laugh because there's no such thing as a typical day. I mean, like, Wednesday afternoons, I know I have clinic in Trumbull. But I mean, like, in terms of an average day, I would say, you know, I wake up in the morning. I have to, you know, rouse my 15-year-old out of bed and beg him to get ready for the bus. You know, go ahead and, you know... Feed the dog, put the dog out, get everything going, make sure lunches are packed, make sure my husband is up. It's sad, but it's true. Um, And, you know, really just uh, get everything initiated. Pick out clothes for the five-year-old. Make sure he puts them on correctly because sometimes the shoes end up on the wrong feet. And in the meantime, for example, this morning, I looked up Epic and checked out my afternoon clinic to see who was coming in, signed a couple orders. And so, you know, it's just a flurry of activity in the morning. I often keep notepads next to me just to write stuff down to get it out of my head because I think so many times it's swirling. Um You know, if it is a typical research day, I will come in. This morning I consented a patient, you know, and then I will head back and have a call about the grant that I'm writing and then clinic for the rest of the afternoon. Sometimes it's just enrolling patients, seeing them for research-related visits. And then other times I'm blocking out three to four hours to write a grant or write a manuscript. Um, So it's ever-evolving, ever-changing, and then racing home 
every single day to make it in time to pick up from daycare. And I will tell you, I feel horrible. I'm like one of the last parents there. But my kid is just really well adjusted and used to it. When my um, older one, who's now a freshman in college, was uh, uh, in high school, she would have to wait after practice because she knew I couldn't get there when practice would end. So she would sit in the cafeteria or somewhere else and, you know, know that I would be the last parent to arrive, run home, make dinner, you know, and usually spend a little bit of time trying to get ready for the next day um, and then back on my computer at night. And it's one of the things that I hate. I would love to change this about myself in all honesty. Last night I was working on the grant that I'm working on and my little one came back to the office and he said, are you working? And I said, yeah. And he goes, why? And I said, well, I have to get this done. And he goes, does your boss make you? And I said, yes. And his name is Dr. Tamberlake. But it was just you know, very poignant to have him ask me, like, why am I working and what's going on? And then in the midst of working at 930, I realize somebody's got to put the five-year-old to bed. So I'm screaming to my husband. He goes to bed late every single night. Like, this is where my work-life balance is off. I am not doing a good job. All those things you teach about in pediatric residency, I'm missing a lot of them. But I'm going to be okay with it because in the end, he's a happy, well-adjusted child and the older two are well-adjusted and happy. And so I think it's just a matter of each day is very fluid and recognizing the little successes that come along with them and not letting the points where I um, trip up, which occurs on a daily basis, get me down every single day. I also want to highlight I am desperately seeking how to find more balance to spend time on nurturing myself. I cannot figure out how to exercise. So now um, my five-year-old and I are doing yoga together. And I think it's funny because he ends every single session and he says, mama stay. And I'm like, I think this is a subliminal message. (laughs) You should just stick around more. So I know that was very like all no. over the place, but that's just sort of my life. But I know? think, but I think it's, it was a very well said in this in sense. It's it's it seemed a little bit all over the place yeah. because I think most of our lives are, are all over the place, right? And it, some of the things that you pointed out or said really ring true to me. I, I remember when I was home on maternity leave with my youngest and my son. I would take, put him to bed every night, and I could not think about Epic or my notes, and he went to sleep, and now. When I went back to work, I'm on my computer while I'm in his room because he doesn't want me to leave the room until he sleeps. And, he, and he's, he's like, why do you have to work? Why, does, why Can you not put the computer? Can we go to bed tonight without having the computer? And it's just one of those things that I think you know, we do our best. Right. And he probably isn't also the best sleeper, but he's something that, um, that, you, that you just know that he's going to get through. He's a happy kid. Absolutely. Right? And the other thing that you that rung home is sort of what Michelle said about how you, what you can do during that day. You made it to your child's. Know, performance and you know one thing I try to do in the week is if it's take dropping him off in the morning for school if I can so blocking time for that even if it's just once a week or figuring out ways to do that in the schedule that you have that time that's important to you right yeah. and what is important to you that week what also comes to mind is I know I couldn't do this all on my own right and how do you how do you manage that with your family it seems like even though there's been more equal distribution, women probably still play a larger role in the child care duties, um, despite working full time. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how does it work for your family? And how do you um, make it, how do you figure out that balance? So I think that I'm very lucky in having a supportive partner who um, when 
work gets busy or I'm working late, he he will step up. Um, I think the biggest thing I've had to learn, and this is so hard to say, I like things done my way. And I've had to let it go and be like, well, he did it. You know, everybody got fed. It was McDonald's because it turns out when I leave, people have very happy meals. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, oh, but boy. in the end, like he got it done. You know, I used to come home and complain that there would be like stuff out everywhere. It doesn't matter. So, you know, I think that um, really creating a balance in that sense, I am I live by my Outlook calendar. And it's pathetic to the point that, like, I send invitations to my husband. To I usually do nighttime pickups. So I will send invitations of, I have New Haven Clinic late. Please pick the youngest one up. Um, or, you know, these are my travel arrangements. So I'm flying out tomorrow. And we were talking this morning. He's like, you're gone again? And I'm like, yes, it's been in your calendar for three months. And you can see that it's there and it's blocked off. Um, but figuring out ways to work all of that out. Um, and I think the other thing is figuring out um, – Various methods to allow you to spend your time in ways that you want. And the way I learned this was a few years ago. I don't know if you guys went to this. There was this like women's course. Yeah, I ended up. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the coach's guide to academic, you know, faculty or yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's and Rena Seltzer is mm-hmm. the author of it. And she's this like life coach who primarily deals with. Um, academics. And it was amazing. During one of the first classes, you know, she was like, how many of you have a cleaning service? And I watched all the hands go up around me and I was like, oh my God, it's okay for me to do this. I went home that night and I was like, we need to book a cleaning service. Like what have I been doing scrubbing, you know, toilets on the weekends? And it was just so freeing to know I can outsource some of this and get some of my time back. I mean, even to the point of like, um, this is going to sound pathetic, but I was like, I can buy pre-cut vegetables and that's okay. And I'm going to cook with these and figuring out ways that on Sundays I will try and prep as many meals as I can. So during the week, I can go ahead and just take things out and be ready. It makes me feel like those, you know, dinnertime routines that are so important to me, I can get it done. So that was a very... No, I think that's great. I mean, I think one of the things you may, I think as you, and also figuring out how to make that time when, if you're cooking all day Sunday, I'm sure your toddler or five-year-old likes to participate yes, and help, right? Yeah. Which is really a good bonding moment too. It's not just doing a household task Absolutely. In, some, in some ways. No, he's got a chef hat. Right. You know, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> It's so true, Jen. I feel like um, thinking about, um, you know, that course that I was in, too, um, we we had a landscaper who I loved, and that was the the best time of my life before my husband decided he wanted to take it on. (laughs) And now it's like it's a free-for-all. So um, I I, I think a lot of the things you said resonate with me as well. I have a teenager, so being able to drop her off at school, even getting that extra 15 minutes um, of mostly silent treatment, but just being in the car <laughs> together um, is kind of nice. But I wanted to ask you, um, so you mentioned, we know this about you, that you travel a lot. Yeah. So how does this all work when you're traveling? It's it's crazy. Um, we really try to plan my husband and I, I. I ask him for every single trip, you know, can we make this work? I try and put it on his calendar so we're aware of it. I 
very meticulously book my tickets in the sense that I tomorrow I will fly out midday so I can help with a morning routine and I'll fly back Friday to hopefully make it home in time to do pickups. So I will fly in and out of different airports just to make life work. Um, in the beginning, I really, I still really dread travel. So I, I should start out like that. You know, like I know I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning, throw clothes into my suitcase and start running. Um, but I don't want to. But I know it's it's good and there's a lot that I get out of it. The other thing that I realized is that when I travel, I'm going to try and use as much time as possible to get other work done. So I will sit in the hotel room and work on papers that have like fallen to the bottom of my list because it's not like I'm um, separating myself from my family in order to do it. Um, so th- that's really critical that I'm just like, I'm going to be highly, highly focused for this period of time. And then when I go home, I'm really going to take off and I'm going to try not to open my computer this upcoming weekend. And I do say try because in all likelihood that computer is going to come out at some point and I'm just going to go ahead and do a little bit of time. Um, but I think that it's interesting to see how the kids um, take in the travel. So, you know, I have an 18-year-old who's a freshman in college. I have a 15-year-old who's a sophomore um, and then the five-year-old. And so the 18-year-old in college, it doesn't really – you know, bother her with the travel because she's not home right now. The 15-year-old says he likes it because there's a lot less rules and restrictions around, (laughs) which always makes me feel great, you know. But he has been more vocal lately of like, oh, I missed you. And that's wonderful to have that opportunity of instead of that every single day silent treatment or grunts, there's this moment of like, oh, yeah, it's nice to have you around. And that's lovely. The five-year-old... We talk about how many days I'm going to be gone. And when I arrive somewhere, I always have to figure out a time that I could FaceTime him because he needs to see the room that I'm staying in. So he needs to see the bed. He needs to see the potty. He asks me if I have a kitchen. Oh, my gosh, how are you going to eat? And it's our routine. Um, And I think he just knows that, you know, it's going to happen and I'll be back soon. Um, But I really think I'm very thankful to my husband for allowing this to all happen because he really has um, just stepped up whenever I've needed him to. And it's been interesting because his career used to um, be much more demanding and he's really accommodated so I can – do things that I think are important. I think the other thing that's huge is I am in the process of learning to say no. And that is so hard. And what I mean by that is I think as a junior faculty member or even I don't – when do you become mid-level? Do I have enough gray hair for that? Like I'm like (laughs) – I'm always like when does that transition occur and when do you say that? Um, But I think the thing about it is that, you know – Every single opportunity comes up, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful they asked me. And now I'm like, well, I can be grateful. And I can also say I'm only going to travel X number of times this month or I'm only going to do this much this month and figuring out a way to very gracefully say, you know, unfortunately due to family commitments, but ask me in the future, I would love to do it. I think that's been very hard for me and I'm seriously working on it still. Um, But it's okay to say no. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think we all have a difficult – it's difficult to come to say – when someone gives you an opportunity that you're interested in to say no, right? Yeah. And I think that uh, what 
I always think about is when you're in fellowship or even in training, you're in medical school for four years, you're in fellowship for residency for three, fellowship for three, and then this is your life. So it's not like you have to get through something. And so how do we learn, go from getting through that little hurdle to this is how do we make this a life that's actually enjoyable and balances both work and what you said about time for your kids, time for yourself, time for you and your husband, and then time for work. And how do you do all that? And I think um, I, I like h- how you kind of, sh- you know, pointed out your partner. I think that's it's very crucial for our success to have people that can step up when um, you need them. I will say I'm a little worried. I'm going to the PAS meeting and my 15-year-old has a ring dance. So my husband's in charge of making sure she gets ready. And I'm, I'm a little nervous there, but we'll see. No, and I think it's amazing to see how well it goes, and it's great to FaceTime them at those moments. I can tell you one of my daughter's first um, dance recitals, she must have been like 11 or so. I was at the American Diabetes Association meeting, so I had flowers sent to her that day, and I FaceTimed her as she was getting her hair and makeup done. And I was like, I got off FaceTime, and I'm in tears, and I feel awful. But she really felt like I was present. And so I think there's creative ways we can do it, and we're very thankful for the partners who are there that allow it to happen. Thanks, Jen. So you have um, well, you have some teenagers, and then you have a, a younger child. A lot of our junior faculty at Yale have young families. What advice do you have for young faculty trying to balance work and home lives? So I think um, the biggest thing I would say is, you know, Determine what help would be best for you and ways to, to go ahead and get it. And by that, I mean, you know, I'm going to use Michelle Van name. She's I'm literally going to go back to the office and be like, sorry, I dropped your name. <laughs> times, but it's because I love you. So she's got three young kids and she has the kids in daycare and her um, uh, older one is in elementary school. But she has somebody who comes in now and does some, uh, you know, work in the house, both watching the kids and assisting with various tasks. And I think that was huge. And when she was pregnant with her third child, she was very much like, I'm going to do this. And we were all like, do this. So I think having people help you determine, you know, how that can be. I think scheduling who's going to do pickups and drop-offs. What is it important to eat dinner as a family? Like, what priorities do we have for us? You know, um, another thing I did for my little one was Sundays we would do crafts. So I made sure that we have this whole box of crafts around so that he felt like we had this one day to create something together. Um, but I think that, you know, it's it's figuring out the things that you want to let go that will provide you with more enjoyment and ability to do things. Very true. I mean, I think I, I'm, I have two young kids as well, and it's really trying to say, okay, that, you know, outsourcing a lot of things that you were spending weekends doing or nights doing that you don't need to necessarily do and figuring out what's really important to you is is the time and quality time spending with the kids. And I think that's the reason we all really need to be, especially so um, we both were here for training. Jesper, you came in from Cornell. Okay. And you came in from the outside. So Mm -hmm. one of the things I think is like making sure when you're making the transition, like what type of salary do I need to allow me to afford this type of support, you know? And I think just thinking about, you know, stay, sticking around, I was just like, oh, wow, you offered me a job, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Sure. But I think thinking about, you know, what is going to be required to allow me to function at my greatest 
ability is really important to consider. Sorry, that was a side note. Well, I think it's good. I mean, I think the the thing that's interesting is sort of you happen to find Michelle as someone. You mentioned Andy. Bill has been an important mentor for you as well, probably professionally as well. And one of the things is how what resources do you think would be important for a hospital or university to have for junior faculty to make this more, I guess, formalized than just sort of finding out things on the go? So I think that um, you and Jasper created one of the most amazing things by having a junior faculty group that gets together and, you know, is able to, as we become more fragmented across the campus, having these touch points where you figure out who your colleagues are is huge. I think that program where they said, do you want a mentor? You know, what are you looking for in a mentor? I specifically wrote down, I wanted a mom who, you know, could talk to me about work-life balance. And that's how I ended up with Andy getting matched to me. And so I think programs like that, that we can continue. I think letting it be known what services are out there. Like I know there's that like backup childcare thing that I sort of looked into and then never really understood. And I was just like, whatever, I'm gonna, you know, just swing it. You know, there should be more attention drawn to things like that and more um, uh, just information provided. Cause I think it's a little bit all over the place. It's not in one centralized location, or at least not to my knowledge. Maybe I'm wrong there. Um, And I think that the other thing is, it's almost like when you sign on, it should be like, and and we will provide you X amount of dollars for care.com or like some sort of like service, you know, whatever service you choose to like help you. Because I think so many of us, it's like, you go from this resident or fellowship salary, and it's like, can I afford this next degree of, um, you know, getting assistance in some of these things. So I think almost just telling people, like, let's go through and if there was somebody who could talk to you about, like, talk to me about (coughs) the things you like to do, like some sort of form, like what I love to weed my garden. I have no idea why. I have like two acres of property, probably about like half is, you know, landscaped. I love to go out and pick up sticks and weed. It is extremely relaxing to me. But I think that for other people, they're like, oh, my God, don't ever send me out. And I think that figuring out, you know, what are the things that you do that may be tasks, but you derived enjoyment from them? And which things do you hate? And then who can you go to? Or is there a list of services, you know, in the various areas that they could say, you know, um, because, you you know, you have staff who are going to be in various areas. So if you're in Fairfield County, okay, these are people, you know, house cleaning companies, you know, places to go ahead and get somebody who might be a live-in. I mean, I know that sounds really ridiculous, but it's it's getting that granular. And I think in many ways, the other thing that's been very helpful to me, and, and this is going to be um, somewhat silly, but, um, you know, we have, uh, and I don't know if you guys are on it, the Physician's Moms group on Facebook. Yes. Yeah. I love that. So there's this great 70 plus thousand women and I'm in the academic, you know, moms group and in a couple other groups. And just to have people post and say, hey, I'm doing this. Hey, am I okay? Hey, I experience imposter syndrome. You know, just that normalization of everything. And I think that's what the university and hospital could really do is provide us more of an opportunity to realize we all feel like we're struggling with work-life balance. We all feel like, you know, there's times that things aren't, you know, 
going ideally and helping us determine what levels um, we could go to. I think we should all get life coaches. <laughs> I love that idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> um, I, I also w- wanted to just say that I get emails from the Working Women's Network, which I think is a, a Yale group, and I, I really don't know how I started receiving those. And then, um, again, talking about Andy, I know she's one of the leaders of the SWIM group, yep. uh, which is uh, women in medicine, yep. and they meet regularly too. But I really like the idea of, of having a central place for all these resources. Yeah. And I just think even, you know, Michelle and I have been talking about this lately. I was like, I don't know if I need a therapist or a life coach. And I'm like, (laughs) maybe it's just somebody to just tell me, like, you know, it's okay to say no to this thing or help me define my priorities. Because it's so hard, you know. And I know, you know, you were mentioning Andy could do that in some situations, but everybody can't have Andy. 100%. Right? How, we, I, we should clone her. Right. That should be the next part. So what the university and hospital should do <laughs> is go ahead and clone her. <laughs> okay. um, so this has been a, a great discussion. Jen, um, thank you so much. I think just to summarize a few points for our listeners to take away um, – you know, setting expectations for yourself, what is really doable for you as an individual, thinking about outsourcing some of those responsibilities, even something as simple as cleaning, um, planning, and including your partner or whoever um, is going to help you get through those um, non-work-related activities, thinking about your own priorities, what makes you happy, Um, practicing saying no, um, thinking about mentorship um, for life things, and then learning about resources that are available at Yale, uh, which there are many. So before we close, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I, I just think I'm thankful you guys are doing this because this is another step in the right direction. You know, and I hope um, I just would say as we all view people we work with every single day, recognize all of us are going through these struggles and we're all in the same boat. And it's great if we can learn to rely on each other and open up and don't feel vulnerable to say the things that, you know, you feel like you're struggling with because there's a lot to be said for having others to voice it with and talk to. That was very enlightening and very helpful advice. Thank you so much for coming, Jen. And thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Jen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We're done.